This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, you're pretty nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning. So nuts is going to close. Now, I remember that big campaign. Would they sell it in a... In a sealed package. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know whether the, the Lads Mags days are over or not. They're, they're still out there. I don't know which, which is the most popular one. Are, are, is there sort of... I thought Nuts was fairly high up there. It means that things must have slumped a bit. Well, in fact, must have slumped quite considerably if they've decided to close the thing down. I wonder if it was that, that supermarket campaign, you know, top-shelf magazines. I mean, it was just full of tacky old women who wanted to get their kit off for the boys, and so somebody liked it. And that blooming sand the other day. The moment I saw it, I thought, here we go, the Sahara has arrived in Twickenham. And believe you me, it had. And all over London. All of that this morning. On LBC. Nice to have you company, and uh, it's actually not too bad outside, weather-wise, it's okay, weather-wise, and and the men's shoddy housework, men apparently can't do housework, I know loads of people who can do housework, how how difficult is it to walk around now with a hoover, can't be that difficult, can it, and also, I had to go and buy a light the other day for the bathroom, and I think think it's kind of defeated me, I've I've got a strip light under a a shelf, which I quite like, actually, because it adds sort of a, a warm glow. And anyway, I thought, I'll change it the other day, and I'll go from seven inches to a foot. So I've gone from seven inches to 12 inches. Um, I'm fairly happy with it. And so I've, I've sort of... I haven't, I've taken it out the box, and it comes already. All you've got to do is fix up two little kind of fixing screws. But I'm blowed if I can understand how this thing works. I've looked at it. It's two little metal bits, and apparently you slide the light in... Uh, to it on sort of little sort of tracks. But I'm looking at it thinking, and of course you're having to do this upside down because it's underneath a shelf. Ridiculous, isn't it? 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Statin. Oh, they do say an aspirin a day good. Well, I'm on prescription for an aspirin a day. It's part of the... Th- loads of people have it. And apparently it's supposed to be really good to ward off heart attacks. Because I can't believe, as we've now hit the 1st of April, that we're rocketing through this year so fast. Before we know where we are, it's going to be blooming Christmas again. Which I don't mind, because I do like Christmas. But I just don't want it to go that fast, I'm afraid. <laughs> this, this part of my life, I, I want to kind of slow down a little bit. There's a, a murderer in prison on the front of the sun today. He has learnt he's to be Britain's youngest granddad at 27. His daughter born when he was 14, is now 13 and pregnant by a lad believed to be the same age as her. Fantastic. Hey, big up the chavs. Big up the chavs. Yep, let them have as many children as they want. You're going to be paying for it. You're going to be paying for it. What's hit number one spot? Frozen. What arrived this morning? Frozen. It's the Disney DVD. And I absolutely love it. Oh, we found that dreadful old bag again. You know, that really ugly bird. You know, Josie Cunningham. You remember the old sponger? Josie Cunningham, who, I mean, you know, ugly beyond belief and abuses the privilege. You know, if somebody says you've got a lived-in face, in her case, they mean squatters. And so they've got a picture of her here, because now she's pregnant. What does she qualify for? Free dental work. And so she's having her teeth done. I would have thought, actually, a complete head transplant, love, would have been your way forward. This is the, uh, the old broad who had her boobs enlarged on the NHS. Then she didn't like them, so she wanted them reduced. And the NHS basically said, on your bike, pal. And uh, then she was working as a hooker. 
Apparently, uh, they say £1,000 a night. I think 20 quid in an alley, dear. I don't think she'll ever get a th- Nobody in their right mind would ever pay for something as ugly as this, £1,000. No hooker, unless they're really at the top end of their game. And sadly, Josie Cunningham is nowhere near the top of her game. She's just an average little scrubber who goes out there and decides to become a hooker. She obviously has no other talent for doing anything else. And she says, I'm annoyed that the NHS will only give me a silver filling. Because she wants, obviously, all the decent stuff. To be honest with you, I, I don't, don't know why we've wasted time with this old tart. Why on earth are we bothering with somebody who, da- who doesn't work? Apart from lying on her back, I don't actually call that working. And then she's going to get £2,000 worth of teeth. And she seriously believes that somebody's going to pay £1,000 a night to her. No, no, no. No, dear. No, dear. And uh, the fun stopped on the big reunion. Kavanagh sobered up. The man with so little talent, here's my little finger, more talent than Kavanagh. And he was there, a man so deluded that he actually believes he's of interest to people. It really is just such a waste of space. Such a waste of space. And uh, what did we have here? This was... Um, I was I was sort of looking through, trying to find some bits. Oh, yes. Urgent memo to Peter Andre. Uh, please contact the events manager as soon as possible. Re-August the 6th, 2012. Promise I can play Wembley Stadium in the next two years. Uh, Soccer Aid doesn't count, incidentally. So uh, if you'd like to just contact the events manager, because they're obviously waiting for that booking to come in for Wembley. I don't think it's very likely, is it? I mean, I'm still trying to find out if Peter Andre is playing the Albert Hall or if it was an April Fool's joke from the other year. It was interesting hearing all the April... It's funny how the, the April Fool's that you remember when you get to a certain age are the ones that the BBC did of growing spaghetti in the days when quite clearly we were a simple nation and easily fooled. And uh, what else? What else was the... I'm trying to think of the big April Fool. There, there have been some, haven't there, over the years. There was Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, wasn't there? And that's when people really thought that there was... I mean, they must have been so dumb. They really thought that there was going to be a Martian invasion. They really thought that things were going to, you know, arrive from outer space. I couldn't believe it. The panic in the streets... Over that. I used to like Candid Camera. Candid Camera used to do all sorts of little things. Where I, I remember once they actually pushed a car down a hill into a, into a garage. And uh, in those days where you could pull into a garage and a man would come out. You'd go over a bit of rubber. And you'd go bing, 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 bing. So it signified there was a car and the man would come out and go, how many gallons, Gov? And then he'd put in the, the petrol for you in the car. And then they'd do your windscreen while you were waiting. Because, uh, and they had a little clip on the thing. You know you have to stand there now holding, well, you don't know, you don't drive. But, I mean, you have to hold the, the petrol pump. Before, there was a little clip. You could put it underneath and it would just fill the car up. And when it got to the top, it stopped. But uh, in this particular case, the car arrived in the garage. And they said to the bloke there, who came out in his white coat, filmed in black and white, so it was a few years ago. And they said, there's something the matter with it. And so he opened up the bonnet. There's no engine. There's no engine in the car. It was a very simple, a very simple gag. And so he went... There's no engine. And they went, no, we've just driven it into the garage. Of course there's an engine. He went, and he, he looked all the way around the car. He looked underneath the car. He looked in the boot. He said, there's no engine. And they went, we've just driven it here. And this man obviously thought he was going round the bend because he couldn't find the engine. And that was one of my favourite candid camera things. The other one was even more simple. They put a mat outside a park with, please wipe your feet. And so as people were going into the, into the, the park, they were wiping their feet on the mat. The other f- other favourite one, which was very good, which was where if you cut up bits of carrot very thinly and put it in an aquarium, it looks like fish. OK, so what this guy did, they, they set up an aquarium in South Ealing 
in a dry cleaners. And they had some fish swimming around, and this bloke had concealed in his hand a thin sliver of carrot. And what he did, there was a woman sitting there, and she's sort of waiting for a dry cleaning, so the dry cleaner's in on it. And he plunged his hand into the tank, and as he pulled it out, he let this little bit of carrot go, and he's wiggling it like that, and puts it in his mouth. So this woman, who's caught on this hidden camera, is thinking, he's just eating a fish. And so he does it again. He gets very confident, and so he puts his hand in... Bit of carrot, shakes it, shakes it, in his mouth. And then he walks out. The dry cleaner comes from the back, and the woman goes, he's eating your goldfish. And so the dry cleaner goes, who's it? That, that man, he's just eaten two of your goldfish. I watched him, he's eating your goldfish. And she became quite, quite concerned about the whole thing. And I kept thinking, does this really work? If you cut carrot very thinly, does it really look like goldfish? And apparently it does. Especially if, you, you know, it's, it's what, the, what the eye sees. It's like doing a card trick. It's what the eye sees, not what's really happening. Like if you, if you show somebody a card trick and they will only remember key things. I've had people explain card tricks to me. They said, this person did this card trick. And I go, oh, right. Because they only remember certain things, whereas I, I remember the other bits of the card trick. Colin, uh, £1,000. £1,000. Very cheap. Very cheap, I thought. So anyway, so yesterday, I never even thought about... I don't think people do pranks anymore, do they? I know the newspapers have done them, but they are they are becoming a little bit lame, I'm afraid. We we, we think we found all of the ones, the square eggs and all that. But, of course, you can ga- get square eggs. You can get square eggs. And, and you can get square melons. And, uh, well, hey, you can, um, you, can, you can sort of get all of this sort of stuff. And then they did a thing. There was a book on how do they do that. Like, how do they put lead in a pencil? How do they get egg to go all the way through that... Uh, what do they call it, luncheon meat roll with egg in the middle, so that each slice, it's got egg in. And the, the answer is they make the egg in a long sausage. So it's, it's made like that. It's sort of cooked into a tube, and then they just put it in the middle, and that's it. Because there's lots of these anomalies, lots of these things that you don't know how it works. I never understand. I absolutely do not understand how aeroplanes stay up there. And in the case of the missing Malaysian flight, it now turns out they haven't found it. They haven't found it. It was a fishing boat wreckage. So, again, we're back where we started. They are no nearer finding anything at all. They don't know where it is. They don't know where it's gone down. Is it in the ocean? Not a clue. Not a clue. The wreckage now, it turns out, was from some fishing boat that sunk a while ago. It's ridiculous, isn't it? So where has it gone? Has it been taken up by a spacecraft? Is it sitting at the bottom of the ocean? Or is it sitting on some island owned by some multi-billionaire and he's kidnapped the whole thing? I mean, who knows? Because we're no near... They're now saying in the papers today, they're now saying that it could be two years before they find this missing flight. Two years. Ridiculous. Steve, my God, I remember those candid cameras. They were great. I wonder if they're actually available on DVD. I'll have to check, actually, on Amazon. I'll have a check on Amazon and find out if Candid Camera is available. Because they were so good. And, so, you know, then Jeremy Beadle did them. And we had the Queen look-alike, the spacecraft coming down. But they weren't as good as the Candid Camera with Jonathan Rolfe. And there was somebody before that who was very good indeed. Very, very good indeed. So, Candid Camera, you should put it on your list of things to buy. 14 minutes past four. <laughs> 17 minutes past four. Nice heavy company. It's Tuesday morning. It's Steve Allen's early break. Rosalind agrees with me. Peter Andre, the most boring man in the entire world. I know. I agree with you as well. Isn't he dull? Very dull and boring. He'll not be playing Wembley anytime soon, will he? Poor old soul. Uh, what else we got? Actually, I forgot to do um, something for yesterday. And uh, heard from Mandy last night, says Noreen. 
because Mandy came to the party on Friday, told her how pleased you were on Friday night. Uh, she was, yes, she was on good... She's shrinking. Mandy Siegel is definitely getting smaller and smaller. She was my producer from ten years ago, and it was it was so funny seeing... I mean, I've seen her recently, so I, it's, it's not something as far-fetched. I only saw her at the LBC reunion a short while ago. I have got to tell you what happened on Saturday evening, says Noreen. We went to see the cast-off kinks at the Radlett Centre, where we first saw you. Because the Radlett Centre was one of our, our first gigs. And we got to our seat, sat down, said hello to the lady next to me, asked if she'd been to the theatre before. She'd talked to anybody. And she said, I came to see an LBC. Before I got any further, she said, Steve Allen, we came to that too. I heard somebody email Steve on Friday to say that they were coming, so I said, that was me. Finished up showing her the photos of the party, the Barmy Arms, Joe Allen. What a coincidence. To sit next door to, uh, or next to... More fans of Steve Allen. So, Christine and Robin. And the show was excellent. If any Kinks fans get the chance, well worth going to see. Did they do... I met her in a club down in old Soho where you drink champagne. I was very pleased to have talked to one of the Kinks. I'd love to get them both together again. Another coincidence. I was talking about soaps last night, said Noreen, with a friend. And she got hooked on EastEnders when her friend's nephew was in it. Turned out it was Gary Hales. Who used to come into your show overnight. He's a cabbie. He is. He was a cabbie when he used to come into the show as well. Gary Hales, who was Barry in EastEnders. He, will, he was Michael Cashman's boyfriend in it, but he's, he's not gay, he's straight, and he's got, got a gorgeous uh, girlfriend, uh, who's an actress as well. It's very interesting. And so it's, it's a big circle. It just goes round and round and round and round. And so that's why we're pleased about it. But Friday night was fantastic. I mean, we, we really had a good time. Really, well, I think we had a good time. James had a slightly better time than us. He sort of went on to another party. It's amazing how, how much stamina some people have got. I mean, me, I was, well, n- not not my producer, Sam. He didn't have any stamina at all. Spent most of the... Well, anyway, I can't tell you what he did. But I'll ju- let's just say he won't be going out drinking for a little while. It's, you know, because mainly because they'd been out and I think they'd done a bottle of red wine between three of them. So by the time they got to the party, you know... I mean, I did say drink because even though there were some, some nice drinks there, you know, if you drink before you go to a party, you, you sort of arrive with a big smile on your face. And, and he did. Which was quite good, actually. I think a good time was had by all. I'm constantly, I'm, every day, I get texts and emails from people saying it was really good. Thank you so much. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, on the subject of uh, April Fool, uh, this is uh, Mark, who says, uh, I was listening to a, a talk jock, to a talk jock radio, and uh, she was saying how she never gets caught. So I was driving, driving down the M1 during road work. So I pulled over, sent a text message to her traffic number and said, a bridge has just collapsed along the M1, holding up miles of traffic. Within minutes, she was reading it out on the radio. You see, that wouldn't happen now. You know why? Because they've got the cameras. So they, they can check it. So if somebody phones up and says, oh, you know, a car has broken down in the Blackwall Tunnel or whatever it is, they flick onto the camera for the Blackwall Tunnel. They can see exactly where it is. Such is the power of the traffic cameras. And London is just swamped with cameras. When I used to do traffic news on LBC all those years ago, I used to work from New Scotland Yard with all the, uh, all the coppers in the room, and you could watch all the traffic cameras in town, and you could see exactly, you know, where all the hold-ups were, everything. And you could zoom in. The, the, the cameras have got a, a zoom feature. So you could literally zoom in on set. You can see whether they're smoking, whether they've got their phone on the seat next to them. Absolutely brilliant. Don't ever think that you can't be watched in London. And this was, was traffic. And we must have had a few hundred cameras in London on all the major routes in and out. And it was like a joystick. You could swivel the camera around, home in on You could do anything. And then the floor below us was 
New Scotland Yard. We were in New, New Scotland Yard, and that was all the crime cameras. They've got two... And people monitoring them 24 hours a day. That's why, you know, you can't do anything in London without being caught, I'm afraid. There might be one or two little blind spots, but there you go. Tom in Canada says, I would think all these lads mags are over now because people have got the internet. Yes, you're right, you don't... You don't need... A friend of mine has a has an online shop, and it's called the Animation Art Gallery, and he sells animated art. It sells from pictures, be they Disney or anything. It sells all things related. And uh, I bought some stuff from him before now. I bought Paddington Bear cells, because I thought that's... Because my brother is a big fan of Paddington Bear. I think it's an adult thing. I think Paddington Bear's a crossover artist. And so we had this thing, and it was in 3D... And so I've got that, and I've got, um, I've got loads of bits and pieces I bought from, from Russell. But he used to have a shop, and then he decided it was easier to go online, because you can view everything online, you can order it all online, and it's worked out so much better. He used to be over in County Hall. Fantastic. It really was. Um, Carol says, you were discussing the kinks with Noreen. Now I can't get Lola out of my head. I'll tell you what I heard the other day. I was, I was, was it this morning? Oh, no, it was um, Heartbeat. And Heartbeat, you use little clips of music from the 70s and the 80s. And I was listening, and they had one little clip, and it was one of my all-time favourite songs, which is Roadrunner by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. And it's an instrumental. Well, no, it's not. I tell you, it's not an instrumental. What am I talking about? It starts off instrumental. It goes through. And I remember thinking then, do you know, Tamala Motown was absolutely brilliant. When we spoke to Gladys Knight, she was telling us about some of those early recording sessions and she'd bring sandwiches in for Michael Jackson because he was just a little boy and she'd sit there with sandwiches because his mum didn't make him sandwiches. And so she would share her sandwiches with him. And the room was tiny. Apparently it was the size of this studio where they used to record. And they would go in there and sometimes they, Berry Gordy, would record with the people in the room with the artist as well. But I mean, it was just, it was a music factory. It was, you know, Motortown, Motown. And the Motown sound spread around the world. My favourite, Smokey Robinson, Tears of a Clown. I could listen to that one. We were driving through Germany. I could listen to that every day of the week. It wouldn't bother me. I could wake up, listen. I'm surprised there's never been a Tamala Motown station. I suppose there might be somewhere, might there? I don't know, actually. Off to Nottingham, leaving Sunny Paddockwood is Jackie. She says that for a works conference, do they eat chips in curry sauce in Nottingham? Gravy. Gravy they do in Nottingham. Now, whether or not you... I mean, I'm imagining that you can probably get curry sauce as well. And if I didn't think it was going to do me harm, I'd probably eat it all the time. But I've been really good recently. You know, my, my blood sugars are fantastic. I mean, 5.8 this morning is, uh, is really good for me. Really good. Although I, I said to a friend of mine the other day, I said I did a 4.7. He said, that's OK. I said, no, it's not. It's way too low. It's about three under, I'm afraid. I should be about seven, seven and a bit. So today, a little bit under, but I've had an orange... Part of my seven a day now. Now we have seven a day. So thank goodness for the podcast, says Jackie, and, uh, and the iPhone to listen to. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness for that app. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, I'd do it now. Download the free app. I think it's free. Is it free, Sam, the app? You, it is free. And then it will send the, the programmes to you and you have a free podcast every single day. And it's, it's changed everybody's life because you don't need to fiddle about, even if you're not particularly good with things like that. Although I spoke to a friend of mine, John, the other day, and uh, a friend of his, is, she's 95, and she said, oh, if, if, if so-and-so doesn't arrive, I'll send you a text. Send you a text. She's 95, and she's texting. So proof, proof pudding, ladies and gentlemen, that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can actually, you can actually text and email and do everything like that. I mean, I do it all the time, and I, and I tweet 
I don't Facebook, I'm afraid. I don't Facebook. There's, there's a limit to what I do. Uh, we'll tell you as well about Brooklyn Beckham a bit later on this morning. He's done his first modelling assignment. Is there no end to the exploitation of this entire family? I'm surprised they've not got Harper Seven out there doing something. Um, wait a minute, let's quickly go here. Oh, yes, we found um, the... Candid Camera, the only one that's on DVD is the Lost Archives of Candid Camera, which is the American version. And I don't want the American version, because I didn't like the American Candid Cameras. The other ones, I'm afraid, are... They've got Beatles about the first series, or Candid Camera Classics on an audio CD. And I think the other one uh, was on VHS. Why has nobody thought to convert them onto DVD? Seems utterly pointless to me, doesn't it, really? That they, they haven't done things like that. So, perhaps if anybody's listening in the candid camera, it's, it's um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't rate as anything, it's just universal. <coughs> it's not rude or anything like that. But I don't want the Jeremy Beadle ones. I was looking for Game for a Laugh from Jeremy Beadle, and they, they put the back the date of releasing that, and then they, then they didn't do it, and then they did do it, and then they didn't do it, and in the end I lost the will to live. So now, I'm kind of hoping that somebody listening will pass the word on and say... What you have to do is to convert all the Candid Camera classics on VHS onto DVD. Because I do have a VHS machine, but I don't want to buy a videotape. I want to buy a DVD because the quality is going to be marginally better. They were brilliant, says Patricia. Highly entertaining, but keen studies on human social behaviour. One of the classics featured a young Woody Allen dictating an incredulously stilted love letter to a bewildered secretary. I'd love to have a DVD collection, but they don't exist, sadly. I remember my, my favourite one was where they had... Um, a lady who pretended to be a little child and they had a secretary in this fake office and her, her brief was, can you phone this number now and speak to this man and get the details because we need that to come through fairly quickly. And so she, she phoned this number up and the actress answered the phone the other end but pretending to be a little child, going, hello. And so she said, oh, can I speak to your daddy? Yes, hold on. And then she put the phone down. And so this woman became increasingly frustrated that every time she phoned this number and got this little girl, in the end she was practically screaming down the phone, don't put the phone down, don't put the phone down. OK, I'll go and get Daddy. And she put the phone down every time. It was hilarious. Apparently Ray Davis is working on a new musical with the Hampstead Theatre. Good, like that idea. Um, George says, how about the Grand National transferred to Epsom Racecourse from Aintree due to renovation of Beecher's Brook? Oh, yes, not sure about that. My favourite on candid camera was the sign on the phone box which read please use the other door people walk around looking for the other door thank you ron they were good you know it was it was obviously simpler times wasn't it they were much much simpler times <laughs> i don't know 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk uh, also all this sand which landed the other day i seriously thought it was the cleaner's fault i nearly nearly found up mr Vizzino saying i don't think we need to jet wash the car park it's just making my car filthy dirty and uh, it turned out that it was... The more I looked at it, the more I thought, wait a minute, it is actually sand. It is actually sand. And the reason I knew that is because the entire car was covered. So I said to a friend of mine, I said, I think sand from the Sahara has covered my car. And he went, yeah, right. He thought it was joking. And it's in all the papers today. It's not the April Fool joke. It really was sand from the Sahara. So I had to go and get the car jet-washed. So right blooming nuisance. Coming up, the Love Lawn Pensioners campaign to find a past love. LBC News Time, it's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. And Jackie says, wishing uh, lovely Sheila a good Passover and continued lovely memories 
of wonderful Raymond as well. It's nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast on LBC. And uh, this sound from the Sahara, much as though people don't believe it, it's come 2,000 miles, and, and what it does, it, it sweeps up into a, into a dust, which then gets drawn up into the atmosphere, and then it stays airborne in clouds, because it's so light, until it gets around here, and if the wind's in the right direction, it knocks it down. And so, consequently, it was all over the place. Downing Street, London, most of the south Southeast was actually covered by it, and the Met Office say there's more on the way. It usually happens several times a year with the big, the big cloud and dust storms in. So for all those people who went, yeah, right, it's really sand from the Sahara. No, it really was sand from the Sahara. It's almost a bit exotic, really, when you think about it, but it's just blooming nuisance trying to clean the car off. And so each time we, we clean the car off, there's another load on the way. So you have been... Uh, you have been warned about it. 84850, uh On the subject of uh, Candid Camera, do you remember Jimmy Clitheroe's DVD of his TV show? They've been released in May. Molly Sugden played his mother in the ITV series. Here's Jimmy. Well, I only remember Jimmy Clitheroe from the radio. It's the Clitheroe kid, and it, it was Alfie, I think, was his cousin. He was going out with Susan, who was his sister. Jimmy Clitheroe... Was a was a northern comic, and he was small. He was he was a bit like the Crankies. He was a little bit like like the Crankies, and uh, he he played a, a schoolboy. He played the Clitheroe kid, even though he was probably I should imagine in his uh, in his in his fifties or sixties. I'll, I'll bring you the story of Jimmy Clitheroe a bit later on because now that they're releasing some of the shows, but if they're in black and white, they're going to look really dated. I don't think anything was ever done in in colour, as far as I know. Uh, wasn't Candid Camera presented by Bob Monkhouse? I think they had. I think they had. I think they had them presented by Bob Monkhouse. Uh, and uh, there was the armchair that fondled the secretary. The carrot was in the goldfish bowl. It was in an aquarium. And the car with no engine. Um, Jonathan in Wapping. He says, what did you think of the marriage musical? I never saw it. I never saw it. They only have to say the word gay now, and they go, and Stephen Fry, and I switch off mentally, I'm afraid. It's like Stephen Fry is the only gay in the village. And so he does those sort of programmes. I didn't see it. Was it any good? Was it good? I don't know. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. They found the, uh, the youngest victim of a drinking craze. Vodka and whiskey cocktail. She's nine. Nine years old. And apparently she did it. Uh, she was hospitalised. She was egged on by her friends. What stupid friends she must have. What stupid friends. She was found riding... She was found riding home all over the place on her electric scooter and still in her school uniform by her horrified mother who picked her up and called an ambulance. She had to have her stomach pumped and was monitored overnight in hospital. Yesterday, they questioned both Rhiannon's family and her friends' families about the incident but decided no action was required. Rhiannon's mother, Michelle claimed the drinking dare was filmed on a mobile but deleted soon after. The alcohol was taken from a cupboard at her friend's house without the knowledge of any parents. This is in County Durham. I mean, a nine-year-old drinking alcohol. You know, do these people not realise just how, how dangerous it is? It's bad enough for adults, let alone for blooming kids. Kevin the Milkman says, I'm not saying a lot of sand fell yesterday, but you should see the sandcastle I built on the roof of my float. It was amazing, wasn't it? I, ca- I was furious. Furious, because I'd only just had the car washed... And then to suffer with it again, I thought, dear me, dreadful. Well, if you want to lose weight, and I'm sure a few of you do, this morning, the best time to lose it, the best time to eat, 7.11am. Funny, that's about the time I'm, I'm doing it. 
12.38pm and 6.14pm. It's uncanny. I do both of those times. Not not the 12.38, because I try not to eat lunchtime. I did yesterday. I did, um, I did go to Costco to buy some Prosecco and to buy some glasses and to buy some brisket of beef and some roast beef and stuff like that. And I thought, should I have something to eat? And for the first time in ages, I actually did not heed my own advice. They do slices of pizza in there. And it's pound sixty, and I thought, £1.60, should I have a slice of pizza? So I bought myself a slice of... I mean, I haven't eaten pizza for years. Years and years. And so I bought a slice of Four Cheeses pizza. It was delicious. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I'd forgotten just how nice pizza is. And so I ate that as I was loading everything into the car, and I thought, that's quite good, actually. I feel, I feel quite, um, quite good about that. I won't have it again. Not for ages and ages, because I, d- I don't think you should eat pizza all the time. And it hangs heavy in the stomach. But it was just what I needed at that particular time. They had a, they had a, a pepperoni one. I'm not sure if I like pepperoni. And then they had a, a meat feast thing. But I thought the four cheeses one sounded, uh, sounded quite nice. So that was good, wasn't it? Uh, other stories in the papers. The daily aspirin, which may help beat bowel cancer. A lot of you are probably on that. You're probably on the aspirin a day because it can be prescribed. And uh, forget five a day, now they've decided they're going to up it, and now it's seven a day. Seven a day. And this is uh, fruit and veg. I ate peas yesterday. Peas. I just realised, actually, I, I, I did something yesterday. It was a broccoli and chicken pie. Uh, not not with pastry on, but uh, but just with some potato and a little bit of cheese on the top. And that was quite nice. And then I think I've got boeuf bourguignon today, which I shall have with peas. I should eat carrots, but I can't, I can't quite get into carrots at all. I love the story of the uh, the fat duck and Heston Blumenthal. It's closing, not permanently. They're having a they're sort of a, a remake over, and he's flying ten thousand miles down under to open the restaurant there. So he's going to move uh, to Australia for six months next year. A friend of mine has been to the fat duck at Bray in Berkshire, where it floods, and uh, said it's absolutely fantastic. They do a taster menu, absolutely fantastic. They said absolutely wonderful, and I think it was something like ten or twelve courses. Whatever it was, it sounded absolutely brilliant. And I thought, no, that's the kind of meal I like. That's the kind of meal I like. Uh, Stephen Fry, says Ian in Luton, is the gay equivalent of Pip Schofield. Gets everything and becomes quite annoying after a while. Oh, I don't know, a friend of mine watched The Cube and said he thought he said he thought it was really good. And thought Philip Schofield was uh, was happy. Uh, sorry, Sammy Happy, Kylie Minogue is happy. Philip Schofield is just working constantly. I don't know why, perhaps he's saving up for something. Put the kids through college. And Kylie Minogue says, I'm happy alone after my midlife crisis. Because she has done the rounds, hasn't she, Kylie Minogue? I've never talked to her, but I watched her when she was with Danny Minogue on a television programme. And I couldn't quite get to grips with whether they liked each other or whether Kylie was sort of looking at her thinking, I'm so much more successful than you. That was the impression I got. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. The Christian street preacher is in all the papers today. This is the man who was wrongly arrested and held in a police cell for almost 19 hours after quoting verses from the Bible. John Craven recited from Revelations after two gay teenagers asked about his views on homosexuality. And so he sort of recited his thing. Anyway, after he read them from chapter 21, verse 8, which says sinners will be burning in a fire of... uh, burning in a lake of fire and sulphur, police arrested him on suspicion of committing a public order offence. To be honest with you, I mean, if you really want to interpret the Bible that's way, it's your business. You know, I couldn't care less, but he did it out on the street. Anyway, he was arrested um, 
And then at the end of the day, he spent 19 hours in prison. The, the gay teen says he upset them. But I mean, you know, you can go to most, most sort of quack, you know, vicars and things like that. And they'll, they'll quote it. People always quote things that like, we've had a few people, a few nutters on LBC over the years. You know, it says in the Bible that man shall not lie with man. Yeah, but you know, I don't think they knew what homosexuality was in, in Nazareth in those days. I don't think they did. So uh, anyway, he, he gets awarded some money. Because he was put in a cell for 19 hours. Years ago, you'd just have gone, you know, um, sorry about that, and uh, here's a bunch of flowers. No, £13,000. £13,000. Beggar's belief, doesn't it? We've gone compensation mad. We've gone compensation mad in this country. Everybody wants it. And uh, I have to agree with one columnist today, Richard Littlejohn. I don't generally agree with anything that Richard Littlejohn writes. Identified he's a little bit too far right. He's almost, you know, just right of Genghis Khan. He says here, Tory MP Mark Menzies has resigned over allegations that he bought sex and drugs and probably rock and roll too from a Brazilian rent boy called um, somebody Santos. He says the aptly named Rogério is now back in Brazil. But what nobody's bothered to ask is what he was doing here in the first place. He's not an EU citizen. Brazil can't be on the human rights hits list. Otherwise, the World Cup wouldn't be held there this summer. So he couldn't have been an asylum seeker. Did he have a work permit? And if so, why? Do we have a shortage of homegrown rent boys? And the simple answer, Richard Littlejohn, and I'm surprised it's, uh, it's overlooked you, he was a student. He was a student here. He was studying. There are thousands... I mean, it's so patently obvious you'd have thought a columnist as old as Richard Littlejohn would know that. He was a student. He was studying here, and what they do to supplement their income, a lot of Brazilians turn to rent boy. Vacation things, they do that. And uh, it's so funny, because that that story rumbles on, because the rent boy is uh, back in Brazil, but you can't keep a rent boy from Brazil quiet for too long. He now says that Mr Menzies wanted to marry him. Don't be silly, dear. You're a rent boy. Nobody marries rent boys. They really don't. And so um, the the story rumbles on. But he's a student. Lots of students do it. They don't have to come from Brazil to work in the escorting industry. For that, read prostitution. There's loads of them to get themselves through medical school, through everything. I read a story the other day. I was reading about um, a man who photographed nudes in London. And a certain person's name cropped up in this book. A very, very, very well-known person. And I had no idea that this person was linked to this other person. I can't tell you who it is. I mean, both, sadly, are dead, so I, I probably could. But I thought, no, to, to, to protect the memory of this other person, I shan't say anything at all, I'm afraid. Shardia's in Canterbury. I've never been to Canterbury. I'd like to go to Canterbury Cathedral. I quite fancy going to Canterbury Cathedral, only because it's, it's so historic that, that it, it appeals to me. It appeals to me greatly, I think. Um, Morning, Stephen. Earplugs and auto-tune companies made a record profit. Lauren Fishwife Goodger is in the recording studio making a single. Oh, guess who's going back to uh, The Only Way is Essex? Mainly because she's so dull and boring. Lydia Dim. Lydia Dim's going back in. That's the woman, that's the woman who's, uh, oh, she's a businesswoman. You know, she's going back in because Arge wrote in his book that apparently, while he was going out with her, he bedded Amy Childs. Sorry, I was nearly sick. Um, and so she's going back in to confront him. You'd think, actually, being an adult or a semi-adult, she'd have just gone, yeah, right. The book came out a while ago. Nobody's remotely interested. And seriously, Lydia, you can't be that stupid. You can't be that stupid. Why would you worry about whether he bedded somebody else? You're not going out with him now. So she's going back to confront him. And they think this is going to make good television. Uh, p- people are saying, oh, she was, the, she was the saving grace. No, she was the most boring person under the sun. She started writing to me here. Why are you picking on me? I said, well, get off my television then. 
I don't want to see you on my television. And she said, it's, it's a programme. I said, well, you don't have to be on it. And then luckily she got off it. And then sadly, the poor old soul turned up with her old lady clothes everywhere. She's apparently got some boutique. Well, I tell you, I don't know who's wearing this rubbish. There's so many, have you noticed they've all got boutiques now? I think Gemma Collins has got one selling oversized tents, laughingly called clothes. The Fahir sisters, you know, have got some little boutique. Josephine Essex has got one as well. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? And then Bobby Cole, Cole Norris is a businessman. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, coming up, Five's Richie Neville has a big announcement. Oh, God, I can't wait. Quarter to five. Steve Allen. Steve Allen on LBC. Oh, there's always one story that ruins your day, isn't there? There's always one story that's guaranteed to get the old blood boiling as it surges through my body, and I'll tell you what it is in a moment. I like the story of the, of the pensioner who's sending out 10,000 leaflets in a bid to find his long-lost love. I mean, this is going to be a bit of a shock, isn't it? You don't really want people coming back into your life. Oh, perhaps you do. Oh, I mean, what on earth happened there? The computer's done something strange. I don't know what it's doing there at all. I've no idea, but it looks wonderful. Perhaps I've done something wrong. I don't know. Producer will come in. So this, this is a man called Herbert Riley. Herbert Riley uh, is trying to find uh, a person who worked in a cake shop on Gorton Road. Thank you. Just took that, did it? That's all, that's all it was. See, I mean, really, I should, I should manage how to do computers by now. It's pathetic, a man of my age. Anyway, he, he wants to find this girl called Rini from Stockport, who worked at the cake shop on Gorton Road... Uh, the name of the cake shop is Hobson's, and he's not spoken to her for 55 years. 50, God knows what she's going to look like now. He can't even remember her surname. But they danced together in Stockport, Greater Manchester, several times a week, and knew each other for four years before she left him to marry a man she'd only just met. He lives in Manchester in Longsight, and said it was three decades before he saw his true love again working at a bakery in Reddish, Stockport, in the 1980s. He struggled to pick up the courage. He's had 10,000 leaflets done, and he's distributed them everywhere. So now it's hit the newspapers. They will undoubtedly find Rini. If she's still alive, she'll be 79. Uh, Mr Riley added, I have two brothers who don't need my money. I want to leave her all my money. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, th- I think she'll be found fairly quickly. Hello, I'm Rini. Hello, I'm Rini. Miss you already. Gorgeous man. Thank you. Got your money. <laughs> I want to leave her all my money. They never went out. They never went out. How odd, isn't it? He said, I've had a few phone calls, but sadly, none of them are genuine. He says, I paid a friend £200 to make the leaflets and help me distribute them around Redditch. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, you've wasted your money there. Because what, what you should have done is gone straight to the newspapers and said, I want to leave this woman all my money. You don't think he's going to say to her, you so-and-so, you sold me a rotten cake. I found you now, tart. <laughs> you just imagine, can't you? He sounds a bit stalkerish. A little bit stalkerish. Uh, probably not the best thing, I should imagine. Probably not the best thing. But it's, it's an interesting story of how you can find love at any age, ladies and gentlemen. At any age. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently in Glasgow they do a pizza crunch in the chippy. It's uh, half a pizza deep fried in batter. Oh my God, that makes me feel ill. I couldn't have anything like that. I have done it. Uh, so what is the ghastly story of the, of the morning? What is the ghastly? I'll tell you in a moment. It's, I mean, it's so dumb, you can't believe the stupidity of these people. But there you go. Uh, somebody says, I can't understand why people get aspirin on prescription. It costs pennies as a prescription, and a prescription is now £8. Yeah, but that's not the, the cost of the medicine. That's not the cost of the medicine at all. In fact, somebody said the other day, it's, they, they wrote me a, um, 
an email. And I can't find the thing, actually, now. And it was, it was something to do with uh, diabetics who actually get all their medication for free. And I was fascinated by this, actually. Very interested in the fact that you do get... Wait a minute, if I can find it here. Because I've, got, I've got so many in the other day. Oh, I got one from Tom, who says, you mentioned you've had car cameras installed, an understandable purchase. I've been looking for a reputable install. No, no, I've done it myself. I've done it myself. I mean, nobody actually installs these cameras. They are all self-installation. You take them on and off the car. So, in other words, when you move cars, you take them with you. There's nobody who's going to install this thing. As far as I know, I mean, you might find somebody I don't know, actually. But, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a case of you literally buy these cameras. I mean, some clip over mirrors. And they just record. You don't want them installed into the, the car just in case you then sell the car. And so you, you take it with you. It's as simple as that. It's not, not a complicated thing at all. Uh, yes, on the subject of... Uh, oh, dear, I can't find this thing, actually, which is a shame. On the subject of uh, tablets, somebody wrote in to me saying, did you know that diabetics get all their medicine for free? Uh, even though, if they're type 2 diabetes, it could be weight-controlled. And they don't pay for anything at all. No, it's true, we don't pay for anything at all. And the reason you don't pay, and it's got nothing to do with the obesity thing, it's if you've got diabetes, you've got diabetes. You know, the thing you can do is, is lose the weight. I mean, I'm eating much, much better than I was before. And so that's why you get something for free. And you get it for free because without it, you've got a chronic illness. You could die. So you have to look after yourself. Um, strangely enough, I, I read this story the other day and I thought, what an interesting idea. Addison Lee have unveiled a prototype prototype AquaCab. Have you heard of this? The AquaCab is designed to dramatically cut east-west journey time across London during rush hour. And there is a, a press release that actually came out from them telling you all about this cab. It's, it's an, an amphibious concept car. And they can get you across from Westminster to South Quay in a trip that takes 35 minutes. They can do it in nine uh, they've got a nautical sat-nav, an advanced gyroscope system. And I, when I read it, I thought, that seems quite interesting, because it, it's, as, it's as feasible as you think. You think, oh, so Addison Lee, this big car company, are going to bring out AquaCab. So the whole of the Thames is going to be swamped with... And it turns out to be an April Fool. It turns out to be so dumb that somebody fell for it somewhere. Because when I read it, I thought, well, it seems feasible, but whether or not it would actually work, I don't know. And, of course, now it turns out that, uh, that it, it's just a joke. There are a few candid camera sort of jokes and uh, April Fool's jokes. I, I don't know why, actually, we have... We, we do April Fool jokes. Do you think they do them around the world? Does everybody else jump in on And why do we do it? Why is it the 1st of April? Is there something funny about the 1st of April? It means that you have to write something that is so ludicrous that people are going to actually buy into it. I mean, this next story is so ludicrous, I can't believe the stupidity of them. This is Natasha Hamilton and Richie Neville. Richie Neville was the creepy one out of the group five. He lives in Australia. Well, obviously not anymore. And so he comes back here and he hooks up with Natasha Hamilton. OK, and they start having a romance. They've been going out for less than a year. OK, less than a year. But already the dumbest couple in the entire world are announcing to everybody she's pregnant. How fantastic. How stupid. This is Richie Neville with no career at all. You know, nobody's interested in five. Nobody's interested in Richie Neville. She's got a few businesses, and this is her fourth child with about the third different person. So I think there's a name for people like Natasha Hamilton. And so it's a complete miracle 
No, it's called unprotected sex. There's no miracle here at all. A miracle would be if you both separated and he went back to obscurity and you carried on doing what you were supposed to be doing. But they've sold their story to OK Magazine, which just makes them look an even bigger pair of chumps than you thought they were in the first place. How fantastic. Well done, Richie Neville. And you'll be supporting this child with what? With what money do you think you're going to be supporting this child? You don't actually have a job. The, uh, the big reunion thing's going to fizzle out in about a couple of months. So uh, will you be getting a job somewhere or will you be sort of relying on her to employ you? I've never heard of anything so stupid in my entire life. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> There you go, judgment. <coughs> and another one. Natasha Hamilton is already bummed to Josh Ten, whose father is nightclub owner Fran Cosgrave, and Harry Eight from her relationship with a dancer, Gavin Hatcher. She split from her previous husband, uh, Riyadh, last summer after six years of marriage, and they've got a son together. So this is child number four. Fantastic. Well done, Richie Neville. You've turned out to be a bigger prat than I thought you were in the first place. Dear me, what is going on in the world? And then the producer goes, but that's modern life. That's modern life. And I'm thinking, why would you be so proud? They're not married. They've only been going out for a year. He's 34. No career in mind at all. And she's, and she's 31. But she's got uh, four, three children already. It's just ridiculous. They say she's three months pregnant. In other words, seven months into a relationship, she's up the duff. Well done there, Richie. Well done. How fantastic. Only goes to prove once a stupid boy band member... Always a stupid boy band member. Oh, somebody pointed out to me the other day. I did, um... Oh, incidentally, the Daily Aspirin is not a newspaper, Roland, in Poland. He thinks the Daily Aspirin sounds like a newspaper. It does. It probably does, actually, a little bit. It, but I promise you it isn't. I promise you it isn't. Yes, there was a piece... Uh, somebody sent me something. I was inquiring as to why Sarah Harding was actually at the Film Award. She's not an actress, as anybody who's ever seen her in any film will testify. In fact, I think the last disaster she appeared in was Run For Your Wife which was a total disaster film. I think the one before that, she had a minuscule role in a St Trinian's film, and for this she turns up behaving as if she's some some Hollywood star, as opposed to some failed member of a girl band. I mean, I don't quite understand what the... what the... uh what the deal is with Sarah Harding. But she turns up and they go, who is it? Sarah Harding. All right. She'll have a picture taken, yeah. And so she poses as if she's appearing next to Tom Cruise. Hilarious. A lot of the British candid camera spoofs are available on YouTube. I don't want them on YouTube. I want them on DVD. I want to buy them. It says, uh, you'll see my favourite one, the inexperienced driver and the famous goldfish is, of course, there as well. They were so clever, weren't they? But I think those were the days when, I don't know why they couldn't bring it back. Jeremy Beadle did it, but my favourite one with, with Jeremy Beadle was they got this bloke's car and they got a duplicate of it. So they, they, so they took an old wreck of a car, made it look identical to this other bloke's car. When he was over, they swapped the cars round and he was parked over, um, it was sort of like a lagoon type thing. And this bloke was on a boat. And as he's coming back on a boat, he sees his car and there's a crane and the crane is reversing slowly into his car. And he stands at the boat and he goes, No! 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 Nah! And he's screaming. And the crane driver tips the car, which of course isn't his car. It's just one that looks identical. It's the same colour. They made a plate up and everything else. And he knocks it into this <laughs> sort of reservoir-type basin thing. And this bloke is apoplectic. Now, the crane driver, of course, is part of the Candid Camera crew. And so when the bloke goes, What have you done? He goes, Well, sorry, pal, I never saw it. And he's so annoying that, you know, this bloke is trying to resist actually hitting him. It was hilarious. And he's going, well, you shouldn't have parked it there, pal, shouldn't you? You know, I'm trying to drive a crane now. I can't be expected to see every car under the sun. And uh, so he said, well, how am I going to get it out? I don't know, mate. Not my job, is it? It's your car. 
So that's why we liked Candy Camera. And that's why we've got, I suppose, the jokes in the paper. But I'd love to know the origin of why we do funny little stories in the papers, which quite clearly are lies. There's no two ways about it. They're not funny. They're blatant lies. You know, the aqua car from Addison Lee is a blatant lie. And that's why I told you about it. Still plenty more to come in the next hour of your Tuesday early morning breakfast show with Steve Allen. All the papers in the studio. I shall be going through all of those and delving inside. We found some great stories, but in the next hour, I'll be talking about the fans' fury as the New England shirt goes on sale for, wait for this, 90 quid. They love ripping you off, don't they? If you're a football fan, you pay through the nose. The voice coach, Ricky Wilson, has dismissed claims he's had a cosmetic makeover after signing up for the TV show. The Kaiser Chiefs frontman's looking slimmer and appears to be sporting straighter teeth as well. And calculators have been banned as tests for primary school pupils are getting harder. So plenty more coming up with your texts and emails. From LBC, this is Steve Allen, and all of that is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday morning. We've got all the, uh, the papers. It's LBC. I can't believe that the New England shirt goes on sale for £90. It's quite clearly a blatant rip-off. It quite clearly is not made in this country because they make them as cheaply as possible. Is it Man United who were hauled over the coals some while ago because they kept changing the strip? And, of course, if you're a Man United fan, you want the latest strip, you want the latest shirts, you want the latest... And the kids want it and everybody else wants it. So it's almost a licence to print money, isn't it? That's the huge amounts that they pay footballers. To be honest with you, I wouldn't pay threepence to watch a football match. Not remotely interested. Apart from the beloved Arsenal, of course. Uh, all of that and your texts and emails coming up on LBC in the next hour. I still can't believe the, the rank stupidity of Natasha Hamilton and Richie Neville. Richie, who was, you know, the failure in the group. So five are going out on tour with three, apparently, or something, whatever. I mean, who's interested? Who cares? Goodness sake, he's 34. They're well past their sell-by date. They were past their sell-by date when they disbanded. That's why they disbanded. Nobody was interested. But I always remember, I always remember that one thing of going down to the lottery. Dale Winton was, was presenting it, and five were on there, and Richie Neville sweated like a pig. They, it was one of those days where they had them all in these leather coats, and they were wearing long leather coats and under the hot light, and he sweated. The sweat was pouring off him. And I remember thinking then, that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Uh, the voice coach, Ricky Wilson, I have no idea who he is. I've no idea who he is at all, but he's now dismissed claims he's had a cosmetic makeover after signing up for the TV show. I mean, have you seen The Voice? A bigger pile of rubbish you'd be hard-pushed to find on the television. Uh, everybody's talking about the mad British summer, so we've got sun, lightning, then we had the sandstorm the other day. So it covered Twickenham, so it must have covered Kingston and everywhere else. Uh, and the jet, the missing jet, it's not parts of it. They've now discovered that was parts of an old fishing trawler that went down some years ago. Now, they are no nearer finding where this plane is. I mean, it's almost a joke. It is almost a standard joke. Surely they must have built something into planes now. So that if they do go down, they can find them. They say it could take two years. Two years to find these. So somewhere, somewhere, and it's, God knows whether it's up on the moon or on an island or it's been landed some, I don't know. I don't know. Or it's at the bottom of the ocean with a lot of people still strapped into their seats. That's all I can think of, which means that the relatives of those people who went missing in this flight have no closure. 
They have no bodies to bury. They have nothing. They don't even know if it went down. That's, that's how vague it is now. They're now saying two years to find it. So they go backwards and forwards over the ocean. We send ships. God knows what this has cost. God knows what this has cost. Backwards and forwards. Have we found anything? No, we found nothing. We found nothing. What, not even a bit of wreckage? Nothing. It's just vanished off the face of the earth. So somewhere it must be... I mean, it's got to be in the ocean, hasn't it? It's got to be on the ocean. It can't have just crashed in the middle of the Himalayas or something like that. Could it have done that? I don't know. As I say, I mean, I've, I've, I've given up guessing what I thought happened to the, to, the fu- to the flight. But whatever it is, the people who had relatives on there, they're not going to get closure at all. They can't have a funeral. They can't have a service. They can have a memorial service, but they don't know. They really don't know. It's just, I mean, it's, a, it's, 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 just, a, it's just a shame that they can't find it. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at Patricia says, Beadle wasn't anything like Candid Camera, which was subtle and socially revealing of human nature. Beadle was crass and cruel, and its sole object was to upset people so they would lose their composure and thus make them look like raving idiots. I know, that was the fun, though, wasn't it? That was the, that was the fun of the whole thing. When you watch Beadle, they would do something, and people would go, No, 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 and then they go, Oh, it's you! Well, of course, by that time, I'd have had the heart attack because this man, I thought, was going to have the heart attack when they when they actually sort of, you know, pulled his car into, pushed it in, into the water. It was the crane driver. It was the action of the crane driver that was the funny thing. Well, I probably shouldn't have parked it there in the first place. Then went to walk away. I didn't believe, though, the spacecraft that landed in this woman's garden and then this sort of creature rose up out of it and started. I didn't believe that. I didn't believe... That the uh, that the Queen lookalike was in fact the Queen lookalike. I didn't believe that the Queen had been there going into a shop, buying sweets or whatever it was. <laughs> I just didn't believe things like that. But there were no end of things that they did on the programme. Some were very clever, and some they obviously got to that stage. They they were they were trying to fill up a programme, and so that's why the papers. One of them today is in the Express, and this is a British farmer who's hatched a plan to slash the nation's shopping bills after his prize-winning hen started laying square eggs. So they've got square... I mean, to be honest with you, I don't actually see that this this could not be feasible in a few years to come. And uh, they say housewives uh, will be scrambling to buy the square eggs. Mr Hatchell's find at his free-range farm in Flare Loop, Suffolk. And I think for Flare Loop, read April Fool. I th- I'm assuming that's what Flare Loop is. Is Flare Loop April Fool? Uh, has been independently verified by the RSPCA's Freedom Food, which campaigns for animal welfare standards. <laughs> square. I mean, why would a square egg be of any interest to it? The more I think about it, the more stupid it becomes. A square egg. Why would you want a square egg? I don't know. Uh, Jane Fonda, when she went on her first date with Richard Perry, he told her he suffered from Parkinson's disease, which is the devastating neurological condition. Tall, strong and athletic... The record producer looked far from sick, despite having had polio as a child. But nearly five years later, the actress told her fans about her partner's battle. And uh, she said, fight your Parkinson's or I'll leave you. So uh, she said, I knew it was a disease with no cure, but he seemed so strong. She's 76. (coughs) But to be honest with you, she looks fantastic. But then I've discovered certain people look fantastic. You know, at certain ages. I mean, she's a political activist. She was the first person who brought out a fitness tape. I think the Jane Fonda workout was the one that sold around the world. Now, Michael J. Fox, of course, speaks about it as well. So that's that's great. But if she says, you know, fight it or I'm going to leave you, perhaps it might encourage him to actually fight it. 
Uh, see if we had that sandstorm in Dagenham as well. It, it covered everything. And there's another one on the way. Another one on the way. So don't, uh, don't, don't sort of think that you've escaped it. It's coming back again. I can't wait. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, back in 1983, when I worked for Unigate Dairies in Chingford, April Fool's Day fell on a collecting day. I put their bottle of milk on the doorstep upside down, knocked on the door for the milk money, and when the customer answered and said, hey, Kev, why is that bottle upside down? I said about how bad the weather had been, how the cows had not given enough milk, and how the dairy had to import that milk from Australia on Concord, and if you turn the bottle up the right way, because of the climate differences, the milk would freeze instantly. He says, about 10% actually believed me. People say, you see, the trouble is, we obviously trust milkmen. We obviously trust milkmen to tell us the truth. And that's quite clearly not in your case. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to trust people, aren't we? <laughs> As I've been a diabetic for 20 years, says Brian. I find eating late at night helps me. Not me. No, I, I tend to find for the, uh, for the weight loss, it's the injection first thing in the morning, which is fantastic, and then a sandwich... And I do tend to be having the same sandwich every way. It is bacon, lettuce and tomato. It's a BLT, because it's, it's, I quite like it. And it fills me up, and I don't need anything until tea time. Which I think is... I'm going to install that light today, I've decided. I still haven't sorted out the blooming, uh, blooming water meter thing, but I will, I will get round to it. Uh, a woman's work is never done. Why is it poor women always have to do the housework? Why is it? I mean, I have a friend of mine. I won't tell you who they are because they might be listening to the programme. And when his wife went away some years ago, she had to leave him instructions as to how to operate the hoover. He didn't have any idea how to hoover. He didn't know how to turn on the washing machine. And because he couldn't cook, he's never cooked in his life. He's never done anything like that. Uh, she had to leave all his meals marked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But it was when the, uh, the hoover refused to work that he had to call me in. And so I went round and he said, it, it just doesn't work anymore. And what had happened was he'd filled up the bag. There was so much, that, so of course it, it stops working. So I said, no, you have to empty the bag. He said, oh, there's a bag. I said, yeah, that's what, where, where do you think the dust goes? He said, I had no idea. Never, never crossed my mind before. <laughs> Mark, I have seen the film Alive, based on the true story where the plane went down in the Andes without a trace and stayed long, lost long enough for the passengers to start eating each other. Yes, they had to do that, didn't they? I wasn't, I mean, some of those people are still around today, but I don't, you see, I, but they found that plane. This one, I think firmly, and I'm, I think it was the cabin fire, I think in the, in the cockpit fire, sorry, I think smoke inhalation, I think it went down in the ocean, and I think it's sitting two and a half miles down somewhere. But because two and a half miles, perhaps the, Black box flight recorder didn't work two and a half miles down, I don't know. But that's the reason they can't find it. That's the reason they could spend their days going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Because it's, there's so much water out there. It's going to take forever and a day to try and find out what is underwater rock formations and what could be a plane. But I firmly believe, I think, that there is a plane sitting down there with a lot of people who are now obviously not alive, but they're still strapped into their seats. Some will not be. But over two years, I'm assuming they will not be in there because that's going to be a frightening thing when they eventually find this plane and they send people down in submersibles to go in there. I think they're going to find people sitting in their seats still. 238 of them, plus the crew, unless the whole thing blew up, in which case nobody saw anything anyway. But to have your hopes dashed by hearing the fact that the new wreckage is nothing to do with the plane, it's to do with the fishing boat, is enough to sort of make anybody feel depressed, I'm afraid. What do men not do in the housework state? They don't wash food off plates properly. They just they put it in there, well, done. No. 
they dust around objects, whereas women lift up the object, dust underneath. And you can buy dusters now, and they're, they're so easy, and it's a, it's a, a white woolly type thing which you put on a plastic handle and you just wipe over the surface it acts like a dust magnet and it just picks up all the dust on things i mean it's not it's not complicated to do that is it most people rinse the shower instead of scrubbing it so consequently you know you never actually get a clean shower they also put colored clothes in with whites and any self-respecting housewife will tell you you always separate them whites and coloreds you don't put them in together uh, also not putting recycling in the recycle bin. Well, I admitted yesterday that I don't recycle. I have never recycled. And somebody wrote to me and said, well, you should. It makes it easier. Well, I couldn't care less. You know, it's all right for some people, but not for me, I'm afraid. And also, instead of vacuuming, they just pick bits off the floor. I'll tell you what I've got, which I think is very good. And I bought it ages ago. It's, um, it's a, a roller, which is sticky. A sticky roller, and you just wipe it over things. And it's, it's full of paper sheets, which are sticky on one side. I use that. Then I had another roller I bought in a Poundland shop years ago. And the roller is actually sticky. And so what you do is you, you, you rub it over the things. It picks them all up. Then you rinse it off. And when it dries, it goes all sticky again. Totally Only a pound. I don't know where they, in, where they invent these things from. Uh, more on the, the sand from the Sahara. And it was everywhere. Apparently in Dawlish, Devon, the coastal rail line wrecked by the storm. Remember that picture we had where the line was just hanging off? That's been repaired and it's set to reopen this week. So that's very good news. Coming up, which celebrity chef has revealed he's leaving all his money to charity? You won't guess who it is. Nick Ferrari and the team with you at 7 o'clock this morning. Prescription charges rising yet again. Nicola asks if it's fair that people in Scotland and Wales get free prescriptions... While we have to... I didn't know that. I didn't... I had no idea. So if you're in Wales and Scotland, you get it for free, whereas we pay down it. Perhaps we're we're subsidising. Plus the Christian preacher who was arrested for calling gay people sinners, put in a cell for 19 hours without food. He's been given compensation. Find out how much this morning. Well, I've already told you. The figure will... It seems an awful lot of money to me for that. I thought maybe £1,000 and a cab fare home. Uh, The Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, joins us for another unmissable edition of Ask Boris... And that's all with Nick Ferrari today. I think he'll probably be finding out all the April Fools as well. Vincent Moss, political editor of the Sunday Mirror, Mirror pardon me, will be in to look at the papers. So uh, prescription charges going up again. I don't know what they go up to because I don't pay for my prescriptions. doesn't make me a, a bad person. It's just that's the way that the government have decided it. And the NHS that people who are diabetic don't pay. So I don't pay for my insulin. I don't pay for my needles. I don't pay for, don't pay for anything. I buy my own blood meters. I buy my own meters. I don't get that for free, so I've got my AccuCheck mobile. Uh, the thing I get free for it are the needles and, and the cartridge inside it. But that's, uh, that's the only thing. But I actually buy the machine. I mean, I'd more than happily make a contribution. It doesn't actually make any difference to me. I told you a friend of mine was very upset the other day because I now get this... This friend of mine gets this free pass to go on the buses for free. And the tubes for free and the overground trains after 9.30 and said, this person's got loads of money. Why are they getting it for free? I said, well, because it's available. I don't know. It's like people who go and live in Spain and have their benefits sent out there. That's what they do. Oh, and the BBC have fired one of their long-standing journalists. He's been there for something like 23 years. I think it's Kurt Barling, I think. And they've, they've given no reason for it at all, apart from we don't discuss this kind of thing, and the job has become redundant. He's a reporter, and quite understand that. Unfortunately, though, the BBC bosses have got revenge on Susanna Reid. They've mocked her in um, this new uh, Hugh Bonneville spoof documentary, W1A, 
and they've mocked her. They've turned her into an ego-mad sitcom character who thinks she has the looks of a supermodel. And they, they've mimicked her, I'm afraid. And as somebody says here, you know, it, it's grounded in reality. Any similarity to real people is entirely coincidental. It's funny, wearing exactly the same outfit, and this is where Susanna Reid flashed her knickers, apparently, on, on television. And so, I mean, she's, uh, she's been ribbed unmercifully. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know when the breakfast show starts and have no interest in it. I just know it's doomed to failure, I'm afraid. It doesn't matter who it is. <coughs> I'm quite sure, says Ian, Stephen Fry will pitch himself as, as Reenie to try and get Mr Riley's money. This is, the, uh, this is the story of the pensioner who saw this woman in a cake shop years ago, fell in love, hasn't seen her for 55 years, and he wants to get in contact because he wants to leave her all his money, for reasons best known to himself. I don't know why. Everybody's giving away money at the moment. Everybody's gone money mad. They're giving away money, don't want to leave money to the children, got to make them work. And who was it the other day? There was a, a well-known person who said, oh, that's right, it was a, a multi-multi-millionaire. He's got something like £500 million. He said, I'm not leaving a penny to my children. I thought, they're going to be gutted. He said, I had to work for my money. And the latest person to say that they're leaving all their money to charity is Ken Hom. Ken Hom says, uh, I came into the world with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. I shall give it all to charity. Which is amazing, really, when you think about it. Mr Riley wants to give his to a woman he doesn't really know and hasn't seen for 55 years. Ken Hom is actually giving all of his away as well because he doesn't want it to go to any relatives. And the truth of the matter is, at the end of your life, you can do what you want. Whether people challenge it remains to be seen. Most people challenge, because if you're, if you're there and your dad's got 500 million and he goes, I'm leaving it all to a retired home for bears in Lima, you're going to be taking it to court going, well, I think he should be leaving something to us. But I always thought your last, your last will and testament meant that it had to be carried out. But I remember poor old Michael Landon in America. He left £10 million to each of his children... And I think his uh, wife got the bulk of the estate and the children took it to court. The, till, the, you know, the children took it to court. Dreadful. Uh, 84850. Bridget says, good news about the opening of the railway at Dawlish. In two weeks, I'm off to Plymouth to the last night of the Priscilla tour and had booked my train ticket hoping the line would be open. So there you go. I can't believe that show's still touring. It's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and uh, Richard, uh, I have no idea what the answer to that question is. Uh, I do know the answer to the question of what the Dickens is Daniela Westbrook doing again. This is the woman's all collapsed. She's had a life, a disaster, they've fallen out of the club. And so here she is, partying in central London. She's only 40, but she looks so much older. And that is the, uh, the image of a woman ravaged by drugs over the years. You know, a disaster. When I first knew Daniela Westbrook, she was obviously going through the, the middle of her, of her drug phase, which was a total disaster. Then she got married. She was seen tottering down a Soho street the other day, clutching a bottle of wine and uh, wearing a lacy black dress. She'd been rubbing shoulders with pals, including ex-Towie star Maria Fowler. Well, we all know about Maria Fowler, don't we? You don't want to be hanging around with her anytime soon, I'm afraid. And uh, then she lit up a cigarette and flagged down a taxi. A spokesman later dismissed her wild antics, saying, My client commented last year that she enjoys the odd glass of wine or two. Daniela attended a friend's party at the weekend, but fans took to cyberspace to voice their concerns, saying she looked like a character out of Breaking Bad. It's, uh, yes, I mean, it, it, it isn't a good picture of Daniela Westbrook, who, and her son, of course, was only questioned by the police a short while ago in a car where they found drugs. Doesn't look good, does it? But I suppose with sort of somebody's track record like her. Oh, I, I tell you what I was very interested in, because 
it's it's interesting to note that if you want to book tickets for people like One Direction or Gary Barlow or Madonna or even Kate Bush, you can buy what they call in the business a hospitality package. And the hospitality package means that uh, you will spend a few hundred pounds and they will give you food. So, for example, uh, if you go to Gary Barlow and you go to see Gary Barlow, the VIP package for April is £157.95. OK, £157.95. Now, bear this figure in mind, please. Try and hold that thought in your mind. For that, you get a seat in the first 20 rows, a signed programme, a VIP tour laminate and some unique tour merchandise. That's what you get for your £157. If you go to One Direction, they charge £230, £230 for their VIP package. And you can indulge your One Direction obsession. You get a premium ticket, access to an informal lounge, free party food, a post-show party and a souvenir hospitality pass. For that, it's just got One Direction, hospitality, access all areas, something like that. It costs them like threepence to print off, but that's £230. If you want to do Justin Bieber, he does a meet and greet package, which will cost you £330. And you could meet him... Have your picture taken with him. You get a signed vinyl copy of his Believe album and VIP merchandise along with incredible seats. If you want to go see Dappy, it's £74. And his, his, his package, you get to meet Dappy and uh, you get uh, treated to a private sound check viewing, a signed photo, a VIP laminate and early entry. The VIP laminate just says VIP on a pass and you wear it round your neck. It's the biggest stupid thing I've ever seen. It's like me having something with VIP around my neck, which, of course, I'm not. However, however, uh, the most expensive one is Lady Gaga. £900 is her VIP package. And you get an elevated seat in the viewing area on stage. You enjoy an after-show meet and greet cocktails, a photo with her and exclusive merchandise. Which sounds OK. Kate Bush, however, Kate Bush... Bearing in mind, no hit for 35 years, not been on stage in 30-plus years, and she's charging £424 for a VIP package. However, before you fall back in amazement, what you get is a guaranteed ticket in the stalls or circle, a glass of champagne on arrival. I mean, one glass. I was offering more than that. A picnic hamper of gourmet food, including salmon pâté, spatchcock slow-roasted poussin, Prawn salad with pistachio couscous and caramel dipped berries along with half a bottle of wine. But it's £424. Miley Cyrus is £597. You get a photo opportunity with her, all that kind of stuff. The Rolling Stones is £438. But for that, you get to see Mick Jagger and Cohen style, a fast-track queue jump ticket to the front of the stage, a relaxation tent with massage and body art, a VIP cocktail bar, and uh, in their 2012 packages, which was 950 quid per head for premium tickets, a champagne reception and a three-course dinner. It's not bad, is it? <laughs> if you went to see Madonna, you got luxury loos, a barbecue and a free bar. So that's worth it, isn't it? I did go and see Blue once. We didn't have to pay for the tickets, luckily. And uh, as I say, you had to be fairly drunk to enjoy the show. But, uh, but once, once the lights went down, it was just constant screaming. And that was just from me. Coming up, news on the new album featuring previously unreleased Michael Jackson tracks. LBC News Time, it's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 
28 minutes to 6, Tuesday morning. Uh, still to come, the FA taking the mickey with the £90 World Cup shirt. I mean, do you football fans, honestly, you fall for it every time, don't you? And they know that you're going to buy it. So they can literally make any price they want. Poor little Anne says Susanna Reid starts her wonderful new show on the 28th of April. They're spending £4 million on redoing the old GMTV set, and ITV execs have said they're expecting a million viewers by the middle of June. Yes, I'm expecting to win the lottery this week, and also, you're obviously not much of a fan, are you, Anne? I mean, how rude. You can't even spell her name properly. How embarrassing is that? And, of course, she won't get the uh, the audience. Already I've spoken to people in the industry. Doomed to failure, I'm afraid. Absolutely doomed. And the fact that she's earning so much money means that the audience have nothing in common with her at all. It will die on its proverbial like every single show before it. You mark my words. You'll be eating humble pie before the year is out. But, of course, if you want to watch rubbish like that, that's your problem, isn't it? Anyway, the England fans have torn a strip off the football bosses. They haven't done anything, though. Over this new World Cup shirt, which is £90. That's 50% pricier though the last version released ten months ago. New kit makers Nike also revealed a so-called stadium version costing 60 quid, which will not be worn by the players. I mean, it really is rip-off time, isn't it? The previous Umbro-made home shirt, priced at 60 quid for adults, was released only in May last year and has been worn by the senior side for just seven games. Former England midfielder Joey Barton was among the critics, tweeting that the new shirt is taking the mickey out of the fans. When will it stop? It's literally a white sport top with an England badge. Costs about £2 tops to make in some sweatshop in the East. Oh, of course it is. That's why it's rip-off time. But, of course, you can rip fans off, and they happily buy into it. If all the fans decided that they weren't going to buy it, well, then they're going to be left with hundreds and thousands of them. But, of course, they can't do that. Even Mark Perryman from the official England Supporters Club said they certainly don't help themselves. It's crazy. Oh, I bet he's the first one buying it. People go, it's £90. The fact it's worth about four quid is neither. It's just a white shirt with a logo on it. Just ridiculous. However, the FA says it puts £100 million back into the game every year. As what? It's only a piece of grass... A piece of grass with some overpaid buffoons kicking a ball around, for goodness sake. It's through partners such as Nike that we're able to maintain that level of investment. What a load of old garbage they talk. They really talk garbage. And so for that, you know, you aren't, you know, they're not paying for it. You're paying for it. You're paying for it. 90 quid a shirt. Suckers. Suckers. Uh, More on the, uh, I tell you, I'm sick to death of seeing images on the television of Japanese whaling ships. I really am. But uh, judges have now ordered Japan to stop their whaling programme in the Antarctic because the the size of the killing was unjustified for scientific purposes. Tokyo said it was deeply disappointed. To be honest with you, having seen the level of cruelty aimed at whales, who've got no idea what's going on, they send out the whaling ships, (coughs) they harpoon, they drag them back onto the ships, and then they proceed to kill, I think, around about... Three and a half thousand minky whales. This has got absolutely diddly squat to do with any scientific survey or anything at all like that. It is purely to do with a nation that is obsessed with bloodlust and wanting to kill whale. You've seen them there hacking these whales to pieces. The worst thing is that if they catch sharks or dolphins, they hack their fins off and then throw them back into the sea. They're that disgusting. That disgusting. Uh, Ricky Wilson is doing his Metro 60 Minutes. I, d- I don't know who he is. He's the Kaiser, Kaiser Chiefs front man. He's got a new album, as if anybody cares. I've heard of the Kaiser Chiefs, but frankly, Ricky Wilson could walk naked down, you know, the upper Richmond Road, and I would have no idea who he was. 
I'm afraid, but they have an album out, which is lovely, which is great. They've got a new machine out as well, which can tell emotions. We've all got 21 emotions, 21 facial expressions that go from happy to sad to middling to aggressive. It's very interesting. I didn't realise. I I thought, you know, 21. And they've they've got a picture in some of the papers of all 21 of them. Kylie Minogue says she still hopes out. She's still uh, holding out hope to find a hubby. She said, I might find the one for the rest of my life. I might be lucky and strike gold. So far, of course, she's failed miserably. I wonder why. I wonder why Kylie Minogue, you know, I mean, you know, people fated Kylie Minogue and said, you know, what a, what a great person she is. And, you know, she's very popular and she's very sexy. She, I think she's one of the most photographed people in Madame Tussauds. And yet she, um, she can't actually keep a boyfriend for very long. Is it because... People, when they get to a certain level in the business, become a little bit deaverish. Dare I suggest deaverish for Kylie Minogue? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've never met her. I know that we've met uh, Danny Minogue and we loved her to pieces. We thought she was great. Sharon Osbourne and her fell out big time. I thought Sharon was, was not particularly nice. My favourite, says Lynn, was the, the Noel Edmonds show when he rang people up pretending to be various people. And uh, he told them not to answer the phone because he was working on the line. And would get an electric shock. They promised not to, but without fail they answered. He screamed down the phone. Yes, Noel used to do his funny phone calls, which I think became legendary. A few other people tried to copy them, uh, but they weren't as good. The only person who actually... Oh, Lord, what did I say that? Um, so, anyway, so Noel's funny phone calls. I think they're, they're available. I think there's an album. Some were very good. Some were very, very funny. Very, very funny. Very inspired. Very, very clever radio. Uh, who's wearing this? It's somebody wearing what looks like an acrylic rug, and it's Lady Gaga. I suppose you have to admire the audacity of this woman because she turns up wearing a... I don't know, it's just... I don't know where you go to get stuff like this. The other day there was a picture of um, Will. Will... I can't remember his surname now. I've had a complete mental breakdown. Who, who won the X Factor? It wasn't... Will Young. And he was pictured wearing an outfit. Was it? What did he win? He won Pop Idol. And uh, he's apparently... He's taken time off because he's suffering from exhaustion. So, but I didn't know what he'd done, actually. I had no idea whether or not uh, Will Young had done anything recently. But he was wearing an outfit. He went to, apparently, some fashion thing and decided he was going to wear this particular student set. It was a most peculiar outfit. And he wore it, I think, to the attitude party the other day. But he's taking time off because he's, because he's exhausted. So there you go. The man overboard in the Pacific, one and a half hours alone, and he survived. He survived, but I do like the idea that... The police officers are now going to have cameras. I want the ambulance crews as well to have cameras. And that would be nice. So that because, you know, ambulance crews get get attacked, I think one crew every day in London, or three crews every day, get attacked by people who are quite clearly stupid. But if they had cameras, then at least it might protect them a little bit better. Uh, eight for eight. Nick says, is it so necessary to have another, another debate uh, over Europe? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, I think so, yes. I would, I would absolutely go for another debate. And in fact, the more I hear about Mr Farage, the more I'm fascinated by this man. I can't quite work out if he's genuine or if he's not genuine. Apparently, in a recent poll, you all thought he was. Adrian says, maybe the cost of the England shirt would be more justified if the team could actually win something every so often. All overpaid wannabe male models. Well, in fact, some of them. I mean, you you could never class Wayne Rooney as a male model, can you? The man with a dead shredded wheat stuck on his head looks ridiculous. You know, the ludicrous amount of money for kicking a ball around is just absolutely mad. Um, James says, from what I've seen, Dappy has definitely got the best package. 
Yes, I think we'd all probably agree with, with that one. If you want to go to Canterbury, Michael Caine's got a restaurant there, fine wine and dine. Michael Caine, is he really? He listens to this programme every so often. Uh, Dorman Dom is in his jacuzzi. And then Bobby Walthamso says, now you're 60, you don't pay for prescriptions. It's outrageous. What are you suggesting? I mean, that was just a joke put around by people in the media that Steve Allen had finally hit 60. Actually, even if I was 60, I wouldn't be paying for prescriptions anyway, because I'm diabetic. So, in fact, I haven't paid... I did used to pay for prescriptions. I was very excited when they said, all of a sudden, you don't have to pay for things. uh, And I do have a fair amount... Of, uh, of medicines to go and collect. In fact, I'm actually going to collect my prescription this week and I come away with a carrier bag. Literally, by the time you've picked up all the tablets and the time you've picked up the insulin, and I've got th- probably three or four boxes of insulin and a box of needles, you know, it adds up to, uh, to quite, a, quite a lot, I'm afraid. Michael Bublé's touring again. Do you know, for some reason, I like Michael Bublé. I don't know why I like Michael Bublé. I just do. And um, Colleen Nolan... Uh, she's 49, around the waist, I should imagine. And uh, she grew up in Blackpool. They're still arguing, the sisters, that, that there is no recompense, even after Bernie died from cancer the other year. There is no... They don't, they don't seem to like each other. And so uh, she says... In fact, she said, I grew up in Blackpool with five sisters and two brothers. I'm the youngest. Yeah, she was the one who never sang on any of the hits. She said, I didn't see it as a work or a job. It was just something my family did. Yep. Yeah. I didn't want to sing. I didn't think you could sing. I thought you la would We've had arguments in the family, she said. That's putting it mildly, isn't it? That's putting it very mildly. And uh, she says, everybody deals with bereavement differently. This is the woman who, for her son's, was it 16th birthday, Shane, was it Shane or Jake or one of them, she sent him to a prostitute as a gift. That's how oddball this family are. She says, my children are very sarcastic. They've had a much more normal childhood. My sons are in bands. Jake's band has taken off in America. And Shane is doing gigs around Europe. So, uh, there you go. She's got an autobiography out now. What on earth can she possibly tell you? I lalaed in a group and, uh, and was a bit fraudulent about it. Is Italian glamour a thing of the past? Remember the days when everybody looked terribly, terribly glamorous? And, and sadly, people don't look as glamorous now. If I look through my wardrobe, there's no glamour stuff in there. Most of the people here, you know, spend a lot of time in suits. And, I'm, and I wasn't really sure. I mean, I wish I had a suit that I could just slip on and every day you look good in a suit. Because I think a suit and a white shirt, I'm subscribing to the Piers Morgan regime. And also, it works very well for... I've known a number of people in the business. And one of them is Simon Cowell. He just wears... If he's going out in a suit, it's the same suit with a white shirt or a T-shirt underneath it. And it seems to work really well. Seems to work really well. And I thought, I could be like that, because then you don't have to worry about buying shirts that don't fit or do fit. Yes, it's true, says Karen in the Welsh Wales. We don't pay for prescriptions. I take medication for life, and thereafter don't have to pay, like yourself. It's very foggy in Cardiff this morning, and I find it quite scary, because I have to leave for work now. It's quite dark, isn't it? It's not foggy here, but we've got sand everywhere, which is coming from the Sahara. So, so why, if, if they get it for free in Scotland and Wales... They get it free in Ireland. Why do we have to pay for prescriptions? Are we because they're hiking the price up again? And I think it's it could be, and I don't know this, I thought it was something like seven, nearly eight pounds for a prescription. But I don't know if that covers one item or three items or whether you have to sort of add up for each different different, uh, prescription. I, I mean, I really don't know. But nobody's ever asked. I, ha- I carry a card, actually. I have a card, a a, a plastic card which is from the nhs which is nhs exemption 
card. So if anybody ever said, when I asked for my medicine, if it's somebody new I haven't seen before, I can show them the card. You used to have to tick on the back of the thing. Do you pay for your prescriptions? You tick no. As I suppose you could fib on it, but then I suppose they would, they would find you out. But I, I have a card as well, which tells you that you're exempt, so you don't have to pay charges. Uh, it's not the actor Michael Caine has rest, it's the chef Michael Caine. I didn't even know, actually. Didn't even know that there were, there were two... There's a chef called Michael Caine as well. How hilarious. How hilarious. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Poor old Enzo in Essex. I think we found our first homophobe this morning. It's interesting. And uh, the jokes in the paper, the April Fool jokes that could have you fooled today or not, as the case may be. They'll be coming up in a moment. LBC News Time 5.45. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to six, in case you're clock-watching. I don't care where you are. England, Scotland and Wales. Of course, if you're in Wales and Scotland, you get the free prescriptions, whereas ours are going up for all those people who are affected, and there's probably many, many, many people who are affected and have to pay for their prescriptions every single day. Being April Fool's Day, being the 1st of April, and I have no idea why, it involves jokes in the paper, and it was our job this morning to try and find them. I mean, there was one I thought, I couldn't work out if it is a joke. This is Chris Packham. And Chris Packham has uh, some controversial views. Sometimes they're just so stupid, you almost think he's a bit Katie Hopkins. You almost think he's just saying something because nobody can be that dumb. He now says it's time to let pandas die out. It's as simple as that. Uh, he says here, as, I mean, as panda mating season approaches and staff at Edinburgh Zoo prepare for another breeding attempt with their two giant pandas, Chris will be explaining why we should worry less about saving this rare animal. He claimed, once, that he would eat the last panda if he could use all the money spent on their conservation on more sensible things. Well, in China, they're very, very, very successful. I do believe that the two pandas we have at Edinburgh Zoo are on loan. They have to pay for them. They, I mean, some huge amount of money, up like £5 million, to rent pandas. Whereas, over in China, the panda breeding programme is so successful, they're overrun with pandas. You can't get enough of them. It's, I was amazed to see these adverts, and I mentioned a couple of years ago on LBC, that there were adverts running on television to save the snow leopard. To save the snow leopard. And there it was, the most secretive cat, the most endangered species. Well, I know a man from the uh, the Cat Survival Trust who breeds snow leopards in this country. And he's very, very successful. We went down there. We went down to look at his snow leopards. And in fact, if you go to YouTube and type in Steve Allen's snow leopard, you'll see me holding one. He breeds snow leopards and he's very, very successful. So I couldn't understand this advert on the, on the television, which sort of made out like they were sort of extinct. Because they use his for films and all sorts of things. He's very successful. Very, very successful. He's, he's passionate about what he does. And uh, so many listeners want to know more about the Cat Survival Trust, that they, uh, they access them online. You can see all sorts of things. But his snow leopards... You watch me cuddling this, it's like, it was like a giant ball of fluff. If you, if you could have a, a, a giant candy floss animal, this would be the snow leopard. It was so soft and so beautiful. Oreo, his name was. Sadly, he, he died. And the reason he died is because he was brain damaged. But he's absolutely gorgeous. And so we, we took pictures, we went down there for the day, and I was allowed to hold him. and everything. Just really wonderful, really wonderful. Anyway, so the, the, this is what we think... Is the April Fool in the Sun this morning. Frackingham Palace. This is the Queen, who apparently has given her royal seal of approval to frack 
in the grounds of Buckingham Palace. Huge sections of the historic gardens will be ripped up for vital exploratory work. She's now drilling for gas in the back garden. Apparently, it could reduce rocketing bills, and uh, they say a, a palace source says even Prince Charles is convinced. So what they will do is they will pump in the gardens of Buckingham Palace water and chemicals into shale rock to flush out the gas, which could inject billions into the British economy. And so they've got a picture of what they think it will look like. 90 feet, the drilling rig is set to be erected on the site. 3,000 feet is the depth the miners will drill down to. 25 trips by trucks to end uh, to and from the palace every day. And 1% revenue goes to the royals if shale is discovered on the site. So it's E-R-U-ing. E-R for the... Yeah. Now, it depends whether you believe this story. To be honest with you, I wouldn't be at all surprised if this was true. It's one of those far-fetched things. But that's what we think is the one in the sun this morning. The Express, as you know, have done square eggs. Square eggs. And we weren't, we weren't too sure about square eggs. I mean, I thought it would, be, it would be a little bit feasible. However, the Independent came up with what we thought was a fairly good one. The Royal Mail... I mean, we th- we, um, as I say, we're only guessing at these. These might turn out to be true stories. The Royal Mail, as a, uh, the Royal Mint, beg your pardon, has agreed to create a new 30 pence coin. And this is after unprecedented demand from independent readers. The coin, which follows the new one-pound piece announced in last month's budget, is part of a plan to boost the economic recovery with consumer-friendly coinage. So they now will look at the possibility of a 99 pence coin, a £4.99 coin and a £9.99 note in the belief they will increase consumer spending. Because they used to say, didn't they, in all these shops, they go, under £10, 9.99, And it was, it was just, you know, you ended up with a penny. And so they thought, if they had a note that was 9 99 it would save you having to have all this stupid money hanging around in your, in your pocket. I like, I like the story in The Guardian today, but unfortunately, uh, I don't have a copy of The Guardian, which doesn't help. We also don't have, this morning, a copy of The Mirror. The mirror seems to be missing from everybody's papers set today. So I can't bring you The Guardian, which is a story, apparently, about Scottish roundabouts. Sounds hilarious. If, of course, it's true. Because <laughs> we're only guessing. We are only guessing that some of these, you know, are April Fool jokes. I don't, I don't know why we do April Fool jokes, I'm afraid, actually. Uh, prescriptions are now £8.05 per item, says Carol, who's near Biggin Hill. And says, I love your show. Thank you. Uh, people think I'm winding them up when I say today is my birthday, says Rick. I know. And uh, somebody in uh, here says, £90 for an England shirt. It, is that the April Fool? Sadly not. Sadly not. It'll be made in some sweatshop abroad, and it'll be made for peanuts, and the people making it will get peanuts, why it couldn't be made here, and they're charging £90. It probably costs them, I should imagine, £3 maximum. £3 maximum, including the badge on it. So all it is, it's just a white shirt with a badge on it. But football fans are rightly being ripped off, I'm afraid. Uh, Angela says, each item is charged for. I've got a chronic illness that I have injections for, but I pay for all my prescriptions as the rules are strange. For example, asthma is a life-threatening illness, but sufferers pay for the prescription. I always recommend a prepay certificate, which saves money. If you're expected to pay for a monthly charge, you get unlimited prescriptions. The prescription charge is a stealth tax. NHS don't get the money, really. And thank you for raising the profile of the plight of whales and dolphins. Spot on, as usual. I just, I mean, I'm watching it on the television this morning. I've been seeing the images coming up in the studios, up on Sky News, of what these Japanese whaling ships do. It's absolutely, I mean, I find it disgusting. I really do. You wouldn't be showing pictures, well, you probably might be showing pictures of an abattoir. 
that uh, uh, not 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 good at all, I'm afraid. Jane in Watford says I went to see Blood Brothers, which is the Willie Russell musical, at the Watford Coliseum with Maureen Nolan. Have to say, one of the best Blood Brothers shows I've ever seen. I might have to go again. That's what they want you to. They want you to go again. Security officers. Uh, use body cams for safety. I've been using a body cam for years. Ambulance crews should wear the cams, says Sean in Lewisham. Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think everybody should be carrying a camera. If you're, I mean, if police, I think traffic wardens should carry cameras as well. And when I say a camera, a camera that's fixed onto their, their helmet or something, you know, on their shoulder, whatever, because they also suffer a lot of abuse. I know they're not the most popular people in the world, but they are doing a job and they're, they're paid to do a job by the local council. So I think they should carry cameras. I think there should be cameras in the back of every, every taxi. I think it should be standard, absolutely standard, that cameras are there. We use them more and more in our day-to-day life. You've got cameras on your phone, so now if people see an accident, then they can actually record it on their phone, and they do. Unfortunately, of course, some people use the phones for sort of different reasons, like the little nine-year-old girl who was in hospital having her stomach pumped because she decided to drink alcohol, so much so that she passed out. And in the end, they had to whiz her off to hospital to get the stomach pumped out, and it turned out that it was drink and her friends were egging her on. Not particularly good, is it? Not particularly good. He's called Michael Keynes. He runs the Castle Hotel in Taunton, among others, has his own chain of hotel restaurants. There you go. And uh, hope you'll put your listeners straight, says Hamish, uh, on this as, as being still... London-centric, they may not be aware. Well, they can't be that stupid, can they? I've never even heard of him before. Never even heard of him. Which goes, if I haven't heard of him, nobody else has heard of him either. Uh, like you, I wish Europe would be more debated in Britain, because like you, I feel fascinated by Mr Farage. I'm amazed by Mr Farage. Every time I sit, they're doing a documentary on the television at him at the moment. I'm sure instigated by LBC's excellent debate with Nick Clegg the other day. And they're sort of following him around, asking him his ideas. He's got strange ideas on who he likes. He likes Putin, doesn't he? That's the latest thing, he likes Putin. He's not in favour of gay marriages. And uh, another one here. And uh, this is one from uh, from Ian. It's libel, Ian. It's libel, and it wasn't, actually. And um, she never actually did it. I didn't say she did it. I said she offered it. You must listen properly. I can't help if you're not, not bright enough to listen to things properly. And another one here. George says, The square rake is a true story, but the chicken laid them by caesarean section. <laughs> I like that idea. I remember doing that thing years ago. Do you remember when they had the, um, the pear in a bottle? It was pear brandy. And, and somebody was trying to work out how they put the pear in the, the bottle. And I said, it grows in there. What they do, they have them, I think, in France... The, the pear tree is there, and what they do is they have little nets with the bottles in, and they put it over, and it acts as a little greenhouse. A little greenhouse. And so what, what they end up doing is, uh, is growing inside the bottle, and then just cut the end of the pear off, fill it, fill it with pear brandy. And that's it. It's like you can get vodka, can't you, with different things. I've seen vodka with bits of grass in. Uh, what else have I seen? Oh, loads of things. Anyway, still plenty more to come in the final half hour of your Tuesday morning early breakfast show with me, Steve Allen, before we hand over to Lisa Aziz in the morning news. We've got the papers in the studio. Well, I say we've got all the papers. We don't have the mirror and we don't appear to have the, the Guardian either. Scientists are calling for official guidance on eating five portions of fruit and vegetables a day. So now they're saying seven, but they're not including tinned fruit. I don't think tinned fruit counts because it's sitting in... In juice, the National Audit Office says a low valuation on Royal Mail has cost the taxpayer, m- taxpayer millions when it was sold off. And the new boss of the NHS in England is promising a radical transformation in the way care is delivered outside hospitals. Oh, and Johnny Depp's engaged. 
and we've got more of your texts and emails. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. All of that is next. Is LBC leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen? Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Want to get pretty? Five past six. I found the, what we think is the April Fool's joke in The Guardian for today about moving over for uh, all road users. They'll be driving on the right in future. The National Audit Office says the low valuation on Royal Mail has cost the taxpayer millions, about 750 million. Johnny Depp has announced he's engaged. And the new boss of the NHS in England is promising a radical transformation in the way care is delivered outside of hospitals. We'll go through the front pages of the papers. It's all the scandal and the, uh, and the kind of stuff that you expect on a Tuesday morning. And we take your texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And that's the line-up between now and 6.30 this morning on LBC. <music> Having told you about 300 times that apparently now five... Uh, Fruit and veg a day is not enough. It's going up to seven fruit and veg a day. And it's got to be without tinned fruit. Apparently tinned fruit doesn't count. It's got to be fresh fruit and vegetables. And I thought most people... I mean, I think it's just a way of getting getting you as a, as a nation to eat as much as you can. And the, and the things which you're not eating and you should be eating, you should be eating a lot of... Because green is good. Look in terms of green is very good for you. Some of the other things are not so great. Smoothies and fruit juice and canned fruit have been criticised because they're not much good for you. It's no good sort of making up a fruit smoothie because that's not going to be as good for you as actually eating the fruit. Tinned fruit, not very good for you because it's sitting in its own juice. Bananas, okay. Sprouts, good. Tomatoes, good. And all of these vegetables. In fact, the more vegetables you eat, sweet and carrot, leeks, anything like that, it's all good for you. And it's, and it's relatively inexpensive. You can go out. I do see people going out to Paul Cooper's shop in Twickenham and literally picking up one potato, one leek, a couple of carrots, you know, anything to make up a, a meal. It can be done. You can do it very, very inexpensively. So we were wandering through the papers and trying to find out what we thought were the April Fools. We haven't quite fathomed out why we have April Fools. I can't really see running sort of funny stories of the papers. I mean, is it purely for radio presenters and TV presenters? Because throughout the day, you're going to be hearing various people saying, and, of course, the... You know, this is the April Fool from the Express, this is the April Fool from the Sun, which we think is the fracking and the Buckingham Palace story. I think it is. Hopefully tomorrow they'll be going, well, our story about so-and-so was in fact the thing, the fracking story was quite true. The Queen is going to be drilling in the back of Buckingham Palace. I don't think they're allowed to do it. I think the gardens are, are, are sort of protected. But in fact, what they're saying now is Scotland is planning to move to the right after independence. And so they'll have to change all their road signs. They'll need to be replaced using a new typeface. And they say here, to ease the transition, Scottish transport planners, under strict conditions of secrecy, have begun drawing up plans for a series of spiral interchanges at the major border transport nodes. These will be transition drivers, transitioning drivers to the correct side of the road, whether travelling south-north or north-south, and avoiding cross-border crashes. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's so far-fetched. But on the other hand, we managed to ban smoking, and people probably thought that was a bit of a, a bit of a joke at the time. But why do we do it? Why do they insist on putting? Some of them are so they're so stupid. They're not even clever. But on the other hand, if they're too clever, the one from Addison Lee was quite good because I did buy into it. This is the uh, this huge taxi company in London, and they were going to have aqua vehicles, which would be pootling backwards. So imagine something roughly akin to a to a Prius 
but uh, you'd be floating across the Thames. You could do it in nine minutes, as opposed to the 35-minute round trip. And it seemed quite feasible. I didn't actually dismiss it, and it was only when I got in today, because I heard about it last night, and I thought, that's a good idea. They've been, they've, because it made it sound believable. They've been doing experiments. They haven't actually done it yet. But if you've got this, this other thing that bobs around on the, the Thames, where a load of people go and sit in this aqua, this duck tour thing then I see no reason why you couldn't... And I do know cars can go on water, because we've seen them. So I see no reason why you couldn't do it. And then I thought, no, wait a minute, the, the, the congestion on the Thames would be astronomical. You know, would you have to get a special licence to go on the Thames if you were going to do it? So then Addison Lee of Now Is The Thing saying, it is, in fact, uh, a joke, I'm afraid. It was an April Fool. Well, I thought it was quite a sophisticated one. It was quite clever, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Lynn says, having just renewed my exemption certificate, I always register it with my lovely chemist. That way I don't have to have the card with me. It makes all the difference having a good chemist. Oh, I absolutely agree. Get to know your chemist. Get to know your, your chemist. You absolutely should get to know your chemist because they're the people who can help you out. So if I have a new, a new drug or something like that, I can go to them and say... You know, what's, is this OK? Should I take this? Oh, I'll always, always have a chat to Mr Shah and the staff in there. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, Kevin uh, has sorted his dinner out for today. Panda pie and seven peas. Keeps everybody happy. He says, P.S. I've not heard any text from Kent Kevin lately. He's probably far too busy, I should imagine. Far too busy. Uh, je adore Pear William Chilled. Yes. Actually, a lot of... They, they were saying the other day... Were they talking about chefs on the... Because some chefs on the television I like, and some chefs on the television I wouldn't give you threepence for. And there are certain people who come over as, as very well, and certain people who don't come over very well at all. And, and you look at them on the telly, and some people are very telly-friendly. Best April Fool's jokes ever, says uh, Andrew. He says, about eating seven to ten portions of fruit or veg a day. Cracky one. He said, I nearly fell for that. He says, I'm now eating last night's leftover pizza and kebab for breakfast. How delicious. It'd be so funny, wouldn't it, if they actually come back and go, yes, these seven portions of fruit are it's not a, It is a joke, I'm afraid. It's not serious. I think they just want us to eat more, don't they? I think they just want us to eat more fruit and more vegetables. And Paul says, uh, Paul in Hemel has got his birthday today, 50th. He'd like you... Uh, he, he's like you, a DJ, but weddings back in the day. Weddings? God, I never did weddings. We never did weddings. That was mobile DJ's territory. Certainly nothing to do with, uh, with us at all. And, um, well done to, uh, to Tim. We've sorted out the dispatch problems. I don't understand what that is, but it, it, something occurred on the programme a little bit earlier on. And, uh, and we, we, we did do something that we went, oh, where did that come from? But anyway, now it's been sorted, so we're all happy bunnies again. I'll do the front pages of the, the papers in a moment. The, the, the other story that we didn't do earlier on is the granddad at 27. He's a murderer, but his daughter is pregnant at 13. Uh, he turned killer when she was two, begged her not to have a baby, but she's posted on Facebook. She's 13. She's 13. I mean, you, you find it absolutely unbelievable that 13-year-olds are actually getting themselves pregnant nowadays, but what hope when you've got the, uh, the numbskulls that is, Natasha Hamilton and Richie Neville, been going out less than a year, uh, knew each other from a long time ago. He's obviously desperate to try and sort of latch on to somebody in this country. And she's now admitted to OK Magazine that she's pregnant. She's three months pregnant. She's already got three children by three different men. Now she's got four. She's rapidly following Ulrika Johnson, I think, in those stakes, who's known as four by four. And now uh, Natasha Hamilton can be four by four as well. Why would you be so proud as to go and tell her? But she's already got three children. 
I'm assuming Richie Neville must have must have loads and loads of money to make sure that he's going to be able to look after his child. I can't believe the uh, the stupidity of some people nowadays. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Cheeky web entrepreneurs. See, I thought this was maybe an April Fool for today. Tried to charge desperate drivers four hundred and fifty pounds for a car air freshener. The Jelly Belly 3D Juicy Pear flavour used to sell for £3.49, but it was put up on the internet auction site for the huge price after the range was replaced. Other sellers tried to sell the product, which is based on the popular suite, on eBay for more than £100 in an attempt to lure collectors. Another who listed minimum bids at £50 wrote, Very rare, brand new, unopened Jelly Belly Juicy Pear 3D air freshener. These are discontinued. It's unbelievable, isn't it, really? But uh, there's a, a man here who claims that super-rich drivers might be happy to pay that much. Somebody pulled out of the £450 yesterday because Juicy Pear, which featured alongside Very Cherry, Blueberry and Bubblegum, was replaced last year by Lemon Drop. I have bought some of these. I'm not really a big fan of air fresheners, but I quite, it just sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? Juicy Pear. Juicy Pear. Is a, is a, is a, sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I like that. A spokesman... For Custom Accessories Europe, which has designed the sweet-inspired car air freshener, told The Sun, fans of Jelly Belly definitely have their favourites, and I've had a few inquiries regarding Juicy Pear with requests as to where they're still able to buy them. The answer is, don't waste your money at the moment. I remember, says Debbie, the left-handed Mars bar, April Fool. The registered trademark R after the word Mars was replaced with an L. I searched the shelves for them. I know. And Andrew says, do you think chocolate orange counts towards my seven a day? I shouldn't think so, I'm afraid. It's quarter past six. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. Prescription charges rising yet again. Nick will be asking if it's fair that people in Scotland and Wales get it free whilst we have to pay. The Christian preacher arrested for calling gay people sinners. And he's managed to claim something like, in the paper today, 13 £1,000. He's been given compensation. Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, joins us for another unmissable edition of Ask Boris, all with Nick Ferrari and the team. This morning from seven, looking at the paper's political editor of the Sunday Mirror, that's Vincent Moss. Front pages I'll, I'll look at in a minute. Uh, seven a day is ridiculous. Is there even seven edible vegetables? Oh, I love vegetables. I mean, I'm at the moment, peas, broccoli, carrots... Uh, sweet, oh, not so big on sweet, but I have a- eaten sweet as part of a, a winter-type mixture. I was, I was very interested in the rip-off Britain story, uh, which appears today uh, by Daniel Jones, the consumer editor. And he says here, and he's quite right, families with poor credit histories turn to high-purchase store Bright House as a last resort. So, in other words, people go there because they can't afford to pay cash for something, so they do it on what they used to call the never-never. Labour MP Frank Field got the Commons Library to do price comparisons. So this is an, an eight-something, an eight obviously, load hotpoint washing machine with Argos, £393, paid over 36 months. The 7kg machine through Bright House is £936, and two similar freezers were £845 through Argos and £1,716 at Bright House. I mean, while Bright House may offer more, such as delivery and insurance, interest rates of 64% APR are double that of competitors. 
There are claims they failed to carry out stringent checks on customers, with the firm admitting to Mr Field that the source of income is not part of our risk assessment process. So, in other words, if you're poor, you're paying more. It's as simple as that. April Fool's jokes, Steve, are a way of testing the waters and judging people's reaction. And then, what did, I, did you read in the, uh, the papers the other day? Did I hear it on LBC? I might have done. A farm on a fire. And the farm was that they'd had delivered tonnes and tonnes of Walker's crisps to use as animal feed, apparently. And they caught fire in a barn. And apparently this is quite normal. So it's, they're sort of off crisps. Crisps that have either gone off or they don't meet their their stringent safety checks. or something. I don't know, whatever it is. But they deliver these crisps so they, they went on fire. I'd never heard about it before. I didn't think that they did things like that, but apparently they do. And then somebody else says a couple of weeks ago, millions of pounds worth of fresh fruit and veg thrown out every year. Yes, I mean, absolutely. Well, in fact, on a daily basis. Where do you think all the sandwiches go to that they finish with in Pret-a-Manger and Starbucks and all these other places? I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they will actually sort of pass them on to homeless people, people living on the streets who, who can't afford to go out and buy a sandwich but could eat these things which are nearly past their sell-by date. Is it, is it not in America, or is it here, where the past its sell-by day shop has opened up, selling all the things that have just come up to their sell-by or something, and they're selling it really, really cheaply, and apparently it's doing really well, this shop. Because nobody's particular. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit bothered, but that's just me. I don't seriously believe that if something says sell-by date 31st, when it gets to the 1st, you can't eat it. I, I think there's a leeway built in. Built in. So that's why. But I'm, I'm always fascinated by people eating out-of-date product. But where does it all go to? In, back in the day, it used to be, it was pig's will. It was sent for pig's will. They empty all the sandwiches into a bin and everything else, and it's just threaten the pigs will eat it. They're quite happy to eat stuff like that. Uh, Jill says, have you seen the lovely little catalogue back in the day? Great nostalgic stuff. Books about London history. Website back in the day. Sounds nice. I shall, uh, I shall have a look at that a little bit later on. I like those sort of websites. I like the... Uh, the idea that you can actually go to a website and find this. You don't actually need to go out and see anything, do you? Which is, uh, which is very good. Uh, another one here. There's somebody else saying, £90 for an... Are you sure £90 for an England shirt? Absolutely. Absolutely. Front pages of the, uh, the papers for today. These are the stories that you're going to be talking about a little bit later on. The Independent, leading with the sale of Royal Mail... And a damning report from the National Audit Office, which has revealed the taxpayers were shortchanged about £750, apparently. Uh, the I adds that investors scooped vast profits after ignoring a pact and selling off shares almost instantly. Daily Telegraph's lead story, health experts recommending that people eat up to ten portions of fruit and vegetables every day. There's no end to how many numbers you can add on to this. Front of the Daily Express, seven portions a day could cut the risk of death from heart attacks or strokes by almost a half. The Daily Mail accuses the police of waging a guerrilla war against ministers after it emerged they'd hired a PR firm months before the Plebgate scandal. And you won't believe who one of the people in the uh, PR firm is. I'll let you read the Daily Mail and discover. David Cameron has ordered an investigation into fears the Muslim Brotherhood could be using London as a base to plan terror attacks. That's in the Times. Senior doctors have been talking to The Guardian about a major outbreak of infectious diseases which could take hold in the UK because hospitals are unable to test life-saving treatments quickly enough. The Daily Mirror reports another group of top doctors has criticised the government over cuts to specialist hospital units and staff members. The FT reports Switzerland has intensified its investigation into the alleged manipulation of foreign exchange markets. And The Sun says a British man is set to become the country's youngest granddad at the age of just 
27. The Daily Star pictures are of the actress Daniela Westbrook, apparently looking the worst for wear. When would was it, when was it ever thus, ladies and gentlemen? And uh, just back from Budapest, says Alan and Clay Hall, uh, they have an, ambi- an, an amphibious coach tour that goes into the River Danube. You see, so it wasn't as far-fetched with these things earlier on, was it, really? I didn't think I was that one. I'll give you the weather in a, in a second. Uh, I, you know, I saw, a do- I saw that programme the other day, and it's called um, Sane Pet. It was so good yesterday. It was a bloke with his dog, and he was trying to find the right uh, home for it. He was in tears, and I was in tears. Great programme. Obviously airing every day. It's called... Uh, Alfida saying pet. Check check it out. Check it out and you'll you'll not be disappointed as they say. Just about it for today. Thank you very much indeed for for your company. Thank you for your texts and emails. I think we've kind of put the world to right. I think we've sorted out Natasha Hamilton and and Richie Neville, happily announcing the fact that she's pregnant, so it's four by four again, I'm afraid, for Natasha. Uh, what he does for a living, I've got no idea. If he seriously thinks that the public, the great British public, are interested in the boy band five, I think he needs to think again. Perhaps we're going to be stuck with him in this country. Honestly, that programme's got a lot to answer for, hasn't it? I'm back tomorrow from four. If you missed any of today's show, go to the LBC website and download the app now. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari's here from seven with breakfast. Next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.